0: Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you say hello. Welcome to the Huskies Hockey Podcast. Weldy sitting with Andrew for another week of uh, St. Cloud State Division I Hockey Huskies talk, and uh, we're going to start off with the men's team. Um, get all the bitterness, I think, out of the way before talking about uh, some good with the women. Uh, but um, you know, back uh, way back when, in the days of the mid aughts, when I used to often go to games, I, I I had a term for this weekend. I always called this a Charles Dickens weekend and i I feel like this um like this weekend was very much uh Charles Dickens, and I don't know if you know where I'm going with this um i mean my first my first
1: reference is hard times, but that's oh, God, don't
0: even get me started on that piece of i hate I hate hard times i was like, I'm almost think... surprised that you're familiar with it.
1: it's not like one of the the, the most oh. well-known of his works, yeah, Tale was, of Two Cities. I mean, that's more that's more normy, mm. but I don't know where he'd potentially go with that. What's great? What's expe- oh, Great Expectations. That's going to be you had Great Expectations. Ah,
0: ooh, no, that might have been better actually. You were right with the Tale of Two Cities,
1: and that's I have no, actually never read it. I, I know the best oh. of times and worst of times that is that what
0: is that all that's, that's all exactly I need to know it. right that's all you need to know actually and really as far as like Dickens works goes that's really all you need to know I mean great expectations is I guess but like I read I like know. half of that I, <laughs> I, I enjoyed that I'm not I'm not a fan of Dickens work and especially hard times like it was just I had the only reason that I'm really
1: familiar with it is that I was assigned that in a history class oh I was assigned that in an English class or maybe it okay. was an English class. Maybe we took the same one. Yeah. Maybe we were in the same class. Were we? Yeah. I never finished. That was one I, I kind of skimmed over. Oh, I. I There's a lot of ones. I didn't I really s- actually
0: do the reading. I skimmed over so many books in high school. I was not a reader. So. Yeah. I, I had a hard time. With, I had a hard time hard getting times. through that piece of crap. Um. But anyway, um. you know, and also the. Uh, my SATs just before my SATs, my mom gave me two pieces of advice, and one was um, that a tale of two cities starts out with it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, and that Albania borders the Adriatic. And <laughs> those
1: and those two pieces of information those, that, that's it. That's what she gave me, and continue and that, to help
0: you. That got me into Saint Cloud State, so thanks, mom. <laughs> <laughs> um. And I think, actually, she got the second one because that was uh, one of Coach's mnemonic devices from Cheers, um, (laughs) where he sings the song. I hope you border on the Adriatic. Anyway. Um, (laughs) Back to to the Dickens. So, anyway, the infamous fish story. Um, It's... I, because I feel like this weekend, like many weekends in the aughts, I, I felt like it was just that I I was so thrilled, even. And not that, like, we played a perfect game on Friday, but I thought it was easily the best we've played, and I thought it was... Um. Just overall, top to bottom, the lines were rolling. I didn't really have a complaint about anyone how they played, and it was just like, I was like, okay, I think things are starting to come around. I think Alaska is a solid team. They're not great by any means, but you know, we, this is what we needed. And then Saturday comes around, and I'm just left kind of shaking my head, kind of looking around, like, what that, like, what happened from from last, yesterday, Every, like. It was, everyone was indecisive. We weren't making plays. I thought there were, like, just, we were holding on to the puck a little bit too long. I thought some uncharacteristically bad plays from, from defensemen and, and, in the end, undisciplined plays. And then, you know, we got the result that we deserved. And it was just completely baffling where it's, like, I just don't know what to make of this team. And, and I thought I would, I thought I would know by now.
1: Yeah, I, I I agree with that assessment. It was a frustrating weekend. And I guess we can, it, it is weird because like you said, the Friday game, I thought was kind of like a, okay, maybe this was the team that we were expecting um, coming in to the year. Um, As you mentioned guess Maybe we can go into a full game by game recap. We just kind of get Friday out of the way first because what we saw there
0: was good, was very good. Well, we, you know, we three on like good things. We, we, we
1: jump on the bad spot. we're just starting s- it off with pessimists. You got a power play goal early in the game, um, first opportunity on the power play, you get a kind of early, early goal that sets the tone, sets the pace. Then you got, you know, you get a guy like Ports get in on the action he gets his first goal and that ingram, and that
0: that hall pass too like that quick glance and from behind yeah. the net and just get it out there to ports who just buried it it was a beautiful sight
1: and then even adding another one at the last minute of the first of ingram um can't really drop a better first period and then i especially was liking the second period where yeah saint Cloud didn't score but they weren't they weren't playing a, a stall at that time either they were still forcing the action still in control of the game mm-hmm. offensively bassey wasn't tested much but when he was he looked sharp which was good to see too because he's had some if, uh, iffy performances uh, as well it kind of there was a bit of a it was like late second period there was maybe a 15 minute period straddle 15 minute stretch straddling the end of the second to the beginning of the third kind of culminating in alaska scoring its only goal of the game where they were sort of pressuring, um, they, you know, and after they score the goal, which you know, a high blocker side shot that <laughs> Bassie's been, um, not very good at uh, stopping, which uh, so we'll get into that on Saturday. <laughs> and so after that, it's like, all right, well, it's getting a little tight. But then, uh, seemingly after that, uh, St. Cloud got the momentum back and were able to score. A final goal there. Um, I don't know, five six minutes left with Molinar, and so salting the game away, and and there really was no actual threat of Alaska coming back there. And yeah, I, I thought that from a possession game, the faceoff wins were back. Uh, this game, you know, lopsided shot advantage, almost three to one um, leading in shots. And I thought Bassey, aside from the goal, uh, was, was very good when he needed to be. And so, feeling very good after that game. Yeah. Clearly the best performance they've had this year all around. Uh, offense, defense, goaltending, special teams.
0: Um, and just a shout out, too. I mean, I know they made point of it on the podcast, too. But, I mean, I thought, you know, Grant, Deshaun, Barrett Hall, Nick Ports. I thought that line was incredibly effective um really spreading out some of that um spreading out a little bit of that offense um and putting the maintenance together actually this time um and it was just yeah like just top to bottom just a dominating performance and i was just really really happy to see it
1: yeah and then going into saturday kind of thinking okay if we get us we get a sweep here um perhaps this is the ship writing itself uh after a, a, a struggling start um as you said, I, I i'm not even know i'm not even sure if I would put uh, as good of a summary as far as Alaska they didn't really impress me this weekend all that much I don't think there's i don't think they're a I think they're a decent team i consider like in the twenty to i don't know fifteen to 25 range let's say in pairwise is where I'd kind of expect them to to land um i wouldn't think they're a tournament team um no and so i mean they got yeah that top line that israel's played played all right and they're a physical team that's that was impressive too from for the friday game is that this is a team that that has a style that saint cloud has struggled against uh, you know in, in the larson era in particular uh but that seemed to be they were able to show their speed advantage and their skill advantage and keep that sort of as the primary edge they had over Alaska in that game. They're just they they were able to overcome that sort of defensive style sort of with relative ease, I thought. And times were saying where Alaska was trying to kind of step up their physicality, I thought St. Cloud rose to the occasion and Again, sort of just outskilled them, and that's kind of how you gotta play against those kind of teams. And so, like I said, every aspect of the of the game was was a positive one in, in that regard. And so then going into Saturday, I was like, okay, let's let's finish this. Let's finish the sweep here against a team that I think, based on talent, you should have swept. And there just was. I mean, where do we start? Because all the all the positives that we had from the Friday game sort of evaporated. do the opposite. Yeah. yeah, flip it around and do the opposite for the for Saturday's game. And it's a game again. For as much as we take it away as a three goal loss, uh, and underlining all the negatives in the game, it's still it, it was a tie game with what seven minutes to go in the third period. Um you had ample opportunity to win this game and you, you let them hang around. Um, That was kind of the main thing. Uh, And failing on getting into bad habits in terms of power play. I thought Uh, sticking to this, which again, you look at the stats, the power play has been fine over the last couple of years. We see it go so hot and cold, you know, you see it, produce something like four power play goals in one game as it did in the first St. Thomas game. But then it goes through stretches like last weekend against Mankato. He didn't score any power play goals, uh, very much feast or famine. And they were able to score a power play goal in each game this weekend. But on Saturday in particular, I thought some frustrating um, sequences there with an advantage, terrible shot
0: selection, just, just all well, around bad
1: sort of stubbornly sticking to sort of the three main offices they have on the power play. It's either, it's a Miettinen, it's mainly Miettinen on top of the dots, or there's another shooter on the other dot, top of the dot again, uh, or top of the circle even. And then he got like Peart or Anhorn at the center point position. There was one one sequence, one of the power plays where I think it was Miettinen and Peart They like passed it back, you know, they would pass it to one another and then he'd see that there was a guy in front of him. So then he passed back to Peart and then he'd try to stick in a little bit. Then he passed back to Mietta. And they did that like five or six straight times over like a 30 second stretch. It's like, yeah, this isn't working. Let's see if we got a plan B here. Um, But uh, seemingly weren't able to implement such a plan B. If there is one in the playbook, Uh, the most frustrating uh, of these sequences when was when Okabe, uh, had a 10, like a clear lane, about 10 oh. feet out from the, from the goalie. You're just not going to see that sort of clear shot, especially on a power play. If you, 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 you're lucky to see one of those, uh, you know, in a series and he passes it up to try to pass it back to one of the point, you know, or the uh, high circles shooters. And that gets easily defended. It gets... Uh, tipped out of the zone and then Peart gets burned um, from by the defender and he's got to take a penalty to overcompensate and they wash out the power play. Yep. Uh, that whole sequence was like emblematic of the whole game, I thought. It's like trying to be too cute, not taking the, the clear open shot when you had it, especially a guy like Okabe, who should be one of your top scorers this year. Why are we not taking that shot when we have the opportunity? But it's so- somehow it's like this insistence that this is how the power play needs to run. We need to have those prime opportunities, or at least the sh- the shooter, the shots need to come from, you know, somewhat far out. And that one didn't even get to the shooter. There was plenty of attempts where you're taking those shots, getting blocked fairly easily by the Alaska defense, just not even getting through to the goaltender.
0: Yeah, just lazy wristers, like Ryan Suter wristers from the point where you're not even, like... Getting around or moving, making any type of movement for to try to create an open lane. You made it incredibly easy for Alaska. And I made a point after our power play goal because we were able to work it out down low and then create a chance in front where Kupka was able to deflect it in somehow. Doesn't matter because you were able to create a lane by getting it down low and creating more movement. But, you know, I tweeted out that it's amazing you know how well a power play can work when you're not just shooting lazy wristers into the shins of your opponents, because that's what every power play before it was either that or yeah, feeding the one timer, which even though it's not really working, I don't mind that because at least it's getting on net and it's, it is creating a chance. It is pretty easy telegraphed at this point, but at the same time, you know, that can open up some other plays to get it down low to create the Koopka chance, which I think this one might've, you know, created that. But, you know, I kinda wanna go back to Okabe for a second because oh yeah, when he I almost threw my phone at the TV when I saw that he passed up that shot. Has he been the most disappointing upperclassman this year? I I was, I, I I can't think of who's been the only the only
1: other him. candidate for me is Anhorn. And I I would only pick him because I think the expectations. we were talking
0: we were talking
1: Hobie candidates yes. for him. Yes. Um, so as far as the performance goes, if we're stripping away expectations, I would agree that yes. Okabe's the, the biggest disappointment. Just two points through the first six games, and he did get And a I think the
0: first, his his only goal was against St. Thomas, wasn't it?
1: First game of the year.
0: Yeah, first was, game of uh, the year.
1: Kind of a tipped, uh, tipped chance, too. It wasn't like a uh, high skill play from him. That was the one that I thought that uh, it was actually Sulquist that scored it, but it was Ota- uh, Okabe that got the the tip in that one. But especially if you're if you're going to have an opportunity like that with a good shot that Okabe does, yeah, I'm not really sure. I can see it if it's in, in a season where he's already been sh- populating the score sheet a lot, and he's wanting to spread the offense around a little bit. I can see that, but. You know, season where you're struggling as much as you are so far and the team is struggling as much as it is so far, you can't be too choosy when it comes yeah. to great opportunities. And that was like the worst possible outcome of that because again, of the rush that it created back and the consequence that you had basically negating your power play based on that. So yeah, that that's certainly frustrating. And even, even the Kupka goal, I I appreciate that. I Kupka, if we're talking about guys like Solquist, Unsure what his role on the power play is other than winning draws. Um, But him being like a screener in front, I don't think is very effective. Kuka is the best option for that. Yeah. Um, And I, I, it wasn't so much a play. It was just, at least they had some traffic in front of the net with, with with those shots traffic that wasn't a blue shirt. Uh, And yeah, I think it went off his knee pad, I think, or shin pad whatever um and so a garbage kind of goal but one you need you, you need some of those that's i mean that's what dan chronic that's how he still lives on in this podcast his goals exactly like that just as greasy against as that. minnesota duluth
0: <laughs> that's right
1: uh, so it was nice to see that after when they tied it up i was just like okay it's nice that we're able to to tie this game up, we should rewind too. there was a, there's a few big turning points in the game. The the Okabe play on the power play was one of them. I -hmm. thought one of the biggest turning points was earlier in the period, earlier in the second period. So St. Cloud scores the first goal of the game and had been buzzing for uh, the majority of the period. They had a couple of power play opportunities and were unsuccessful on those, but it were at least generating some chances I when I had to go back and watch the sequence because I thought it was on another power play. But you had the um, play where it's a kind of a rebound chance right on the doorstep, wide open net for Solquist. And again, I hate having to bring up Solquist, (laughs) but this is a a play with an open net and you're right on the doorstep. You have to score that goal. If that if that goes in, it's two nothing and you have all the momentum. I think it's much, much more difficult, um, for Alaska to come back and win that game if it's two nothing and you keep pressing, um, at that point, that without, I thought was huge. That second period with Solquist. I don't blame him for the two on one with Kuka Kuka needs to shoot that because Salquist wasn't on his right side. Mm-hmm. So when he passes him, he's got them all tangled up. It looked terrible because it was a two on one that you failed to get a shot off. Um, that but that one I would almost chalk up more to to Koopka than anything. And then there was another power play situation after the missed open net opportunity where Solquist sort of pa- tries to pass it back. I'm not sure if it was something that hopped off of uh, Anhorn's stick or not, but it kind of a just a rally killer on a power play, kind of burned 30 seconds off on a self-clear, essentially. And it's just like those kind of those sort of mistakes tend to add up. And again, it's it's frustrating because I do think he has a, a a value on this team. It's just the weaknesses in solquist's game just continually get exposed by giving him by having so many prime opportunities of ice time. I mean i I, I was trying to look at if, if there's a way that um, ice time is tracked as a stat. I would have to imagine Solquist is leading the team or at least in the top two or three and it's just face offs aren't that important for a guy to have that much power play time or penalty kill time for that matter as well just ge- t- ice time in general he's a specialist he's like a he's like in baseball if you get he's like a left-handed reliever uh situational lefty and you're asking him to pitch 7 innings against a right-handed stacked lineup it's essentially what you're doing if you're giving Sollquist this, this amount of ice time on the ice and i get it if there's not really any better opportunity better better guys to take that ice time. Perhaps you're right, but this has been a problem for going on much more than just this season. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I, 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 I've sort of lost any sort of anger or frustration I have for that. It's just more of a stubbornness at this point that I'm, I'm,
0: I'm just more sort of
1: numb to it.
0: So that it's kind of an instance of, Oh, we live here now. It's like this is this is uh this is the girl we brought to the dance we're gonna we're apparently gonna dance uh with her and just be stubborn about it, and nothing we're not gonna go mingle it's just he's gonna be there we're gonna have to live with all of these flubs and chances that are just gonna go by the wayside because again, Brett sees something we don't it it just that's what everything boils down to in my mind is just that he sees something. More than, I mean, at least I think more. Or he puts a huge emphasis on face-offs. well I don't and that's know.
1: all that that's all that we hear. Uh, to use another baseball analogy, I may have brought this one up before, but it's it's the uh, maxim that the worse a catcher is offensively, the more overhyped his defense uh, becomes. Like, you see those of the Astros, uh, Maldonado, who's just, he can't hit worth a lick, but their manager keeps putting him in the lineup every game because of his defense. And he knows how this to is similar here. Pitcher. Because because Salkis doesn't score or really do anything else, I mean, he's a good back checker, good, good penalty killer, but because he's really not scoring, we've got to just hear the non-stop God, face-offs, face-offs, face-offs. Because that really is the only true skill that he has and even that like i think he's at about 60 percent this year which is elite i mean the top face-off guy in the country will be like 58 59 generally Solquist is as high as he was because he had that really good first game against st thomas where i think he went 20 for 25 in the pay- face-off dot but we hear like was it last year who was the guy that was was it Cranola who this was, kind of wasn't very great at draws. He was maybe like in the high forties in say in, in face-off percentage. So it's like the difference between elite face-off guy and below average face-off guy is like 55% to 45%, which means yeah. that there are the difference between one winning one more draw out of nine, 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 uh, nine. than a bad face-off guy out of those nine. Salquist is winning one more. He's winning five out of nine versus four out of nine. That's the difference between elite and bad in terms of faceoffs. Plus, I there's a lot of faceoffs when we when we see the faceoff stat, we're thinking in our heads every one of those is just a clean, a clean faceoff draw. win yeah. right back to the point. Which I mean, most of them are at center ice or in the neutral zone. Uh, those aren't as impactful as you know, special teams, you know, in offensive zones either defending or um being on the power play and even a lot of those they're tied up you're winning it with a skate and sometimes you win it and then you the other team gains possession right away so it's it's a fickle stat and if that's what we're really hanging our hat on um for solquist uh, we're kind of telling on ourselves more than anything i think yeah. yes possession is uh is very key And they were better at that this weekend. I mean, shot advantage uh, on both games and faceoff advantage on both games. So it does definitely play a factor. I'm not trying to minimize faceoffs altogether. But it's just because that's all that we're hearing, and we're hearing it nonstop. We're hearing it's nonstop because we don't want to talk nonstop about uh, the deficiencies in his game uh, we, we don't shy away from that. Uh, but, uh, uh, not everybody else does, I suppose. But so I thought those were specific turning points in the game. Um, and there was just defensive lapses. I thought, um, some dumb penalties were taken as well. Really bad penalties. Um, yeah. Jack Rogers had a bad game. I thought, um, mm-hmm. taking some bad, bad penalties, I think was, was the last one he took. Did that set up the, uh, or I think it was after the Alaska had gone. Yeah. It set up the fourth goal. Right. Yeah. It set up. The, the. Yeah. And so that one was an ill-timed uh, power play. I mean, we saw Anhorn again with the play where he loses a step. And then um, this, in this case, trips a guy into Bassie, the guy going after Alaska going full board at this point, we're sort of, lucky that Bassi hasn't gotten injured on one of those. Cause it's at least three times. He did it twice in the first St. Thomas game. And then he did it again here. It's a dangerous play that we're, that, that you're putting your goaltender at risk for an injury at this point. However, we can get to Bassey later, but maybe it's not a bad thing if he gets injured. <laughs> um But, uh and then it was shortly after they kill that power play that Anhorn took a dump in center ice or right at the blue line or whatever, and sprung in Alaska guy for a, for a breakaway he's looked like borderline terrible uh and i was listening to the radio guys all weekend because it was a jim rich Geno parish production so i i listened to the kbsc <laughs> guys no brian moose this weekend hope you're doing well brian but it was just fern and zach i'm blanking on the last name zach we're just gonna call him zach we're on first name basis of them. but um it's like they it's like Madonna. It's just yeah, share yeah, Zach. That's right. It's Zach. Zach and Alex. Um, and they were kind of convinced it must, it must be he's still injured. Um, and we haven't heard anything um, in that on that front. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, we are talking about a fairly serious. Was it an ACL uh, or some sort of knee injury, which you know, was less than a year away it certainly is possible uh, that that is the case. Something is up. It's either it either is injury related, or perhaps like last year was just the anomaly for Anhorn that he's actually not as good as he was last year. But he's been he's looked slow. Like I said, he's gotten beat so bad, and it's on close to every game now, he's had some sort of play where he's just gotten uh, either. Fleeced by the other team, or just out hustled, or something, and so that's been very distressing. I thought Pierre too was was frustrating, and he's another guy that I'm just at sort of the end of my patience. I've appeared so weird to me. I've I've had yeah. to sort of reexamine my knowledge of hockey with him. Now I don't. T- because it seems I, I, I missed all the hype of him pre St. Cloud. Like I was living in Oregon when he was in high school and when he's winning Mr. Hockey. And, and so I didn't really know much of. appeared. All I knew is he came into campus as a number or as a second round draft pick and he had won Mr. H- Mr. Hockey. And that brings you a, a, a lot of hype that most prospects don't have coming in, especially to St. Cloud. And so I was expecting, an elite level prospect, someone that was um, worthy of a such a high draft pick. And I understand his skills. I think he's an elite skater. He's probably the best skater on the team. Um, he's got a great shot. It's just his defensive play just leaves so much to be desired for me. And then there's things like the empty net goal, where it seemingly yeah, sort of that's... gave up.
0: That's the one He's, that really he kind of plays.
1: He kind of plays with the sort of cockiness that I get, but it doesn't seem completely earned to me at this point. He's just kind of got a kind of a dickish sort of chip on his shoulder kind of mentality at times, and it, it leads me to kind of dislike him at times.
0: And I think there uh, was and, another time when I think the Huskies were on one of the power plays where we couldn't get out of our own zone, and I think Pierre was you know, like there was just so much miscommunication with the defense and setting up a breakout and everything along those lines. And I think Peart was out there for one of those. I think, I think Peart had a really strong game again on Friday. Um, and then Saturday I'm like, I just thought the effort was just gone. And I thought maybe it was that empty net goal that tarnished my opinion of it. Cause I thought like our complete level, just wasn't there. And, and I got a little bit of blowback on Twitter and, Especially, you know, Larson's post-game comments, you know, thought, you know, he was talking about how he was like, I mean, geez, everything's just fine and dandy. It was just, you know, two hard-fought battles, and and I'm just like, we didn't counter punch at all. And when we did, we still just kind of decided to roll over afterwards, and it was ah, just, I don't know, here it was frustrating. I don't think I'm as down on Anhorn as you are. Um, cause borderline terrible sounds harsh. I think he's been pedestrian. So, so I think, I, I think, I think better. he's been more
1: bad than good. I'll, I'll say that. And that might be a function of the expectations that yeah. we had, but and that's trying true. to speak objectively, he has not been strong. Yeah. He's not yeah. been, he a, has... he's not been an asset so far taken. A, I mean, so many penalties and.
0: Yeah, the he's not producing.
1: He's not producing any offense either. I think he's just got two points as well, too. Uh, so double check that. But yeah, again, it might just be because we're we've expected so much out of him. Right, he's, he's got, got five points. He's about. got five. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, and there might be an injury concern with him. I'm not putting that out of the realm of possibility. Um, but,
0: but I, I do have to, I do agree that he has been taking some bad angles and I think just not used to the speed. I, I do. I do agree. With and that as, I
1: don't know more.
0: if that's going to catch up again.
1: Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm losing confidence that it will, that we Optimistic will see the old, uh, the old Anhorn. Yeah. The, the, uh, Larson post game remarks, uh, he did this last year during the February swoon too. I can't remember which series it was. Probably he Miami. has this. <laughs> he has this tendency to sort of gaslight uh, uh, a little bit. He's like, really? I don't know if it's gaslighting. I think he truly believes that. Well, that's the th- I, see. I, I'm I'm thinking he's maybe just he doesn't want to <laughs> throw the team under the bus. He's gaslighting the fans, like thinking that oh yeah, they played great. They had a great weekend. Um looking back like I when I first saw those comments I was kind of like really I I was really surprised kind of reading through them again mentioning that he thought it was the best 5 on 5 that they played this year I actually probably agree with that again that's not a huge bar to clear because their first two weekends were not great yeah. 5 on 5 and if we're using that metric then yeah I think this was the best weekend of 5 on 5 that they've had the one I think real baffler to me is did you see where he was like, uh, you know where I, it was It the like, shots. No, it wasn't oh, that okay. it was when he said, when he's talking about the schedule and he goes, you know what? At the beginning of the year, I would have told you three oh. and three out of the first six games would have been just great. And I'm like, <laughs> and he's like, maybe four and two. I'm like, really? Oh, I, I would have wow. known. I like to have known that that was going to be the expectation coming into this gauntlet of CCHA teams and uh, teams that, aren't even in a conference that we're would, uh, just be lucky to be 500 against those teams that again, maybe it's our expectations that are causing us to be upset here, but I don't think it's unreasonable to be upset. Even if you had gone three and three and we didn't even get to three on three, we got no. two and four and maybe even lucky to be that, uh, considering a one, nothing win at St. Thomas. Uh, and so, by the way, we're mentioning last week about we don't know how much of a hole St. Cloud dug with the first two weekends. The receipts are starting to come back. Uh yeah, um, we saw St. Thomas tie buyers only, only manage only manage a tie, uh, and then winning against Lindenwood, who's going to be one of the I don't know five or ten worst teams in in the country this year. And then we see Mankato get swept at home against UMass. No, UMass might be decent. We all we know how good UMass can be, but. Um, that puts a damper on Saint Cloud not getting a win down there last weekend. So, if anything, the split this weekend was even worse. If you consider the other results that impacted or will impact Saint Cloud's pairwise going forward this year with the other teams that they played so far, I am not impressed with a two and four start, and I would not have been impressed with a three and three start either, even if you yeah. won on Saturday. I, I feel like that is setting the bar way too low based on this team's past history and based on how. We had expectations, okay, maybe you thought that I was nuts to pick them number one, but th- what they get three or four first place votes in the preseason NCHC poll and mm. top ten team in the Austria poll. We love those preseason polls, but yeah. I was not the only one that was nuts enough to think this team was elite uh was was capable of winning a Penrose this year. and to think that going five hundred against this competition would have been what you expect. I think was a little troubling. So that was kind of my biggest uh, surprise of his, of his remarks. But well, yeah, for mean,
0: me, it was when he was talking about, you know, this is the best five on five hockey, you know, anytime that you put up 39 shots. And then right afterwards, he was talking about, and I say right afterwards, cause I, it's just the clips, how they were edited together. But then he was talking about how he liked the power play. And then, then I'm like, Well, I mean, you went one for eight and seven of those were just shooting into shin pads, but then brought up that, you know, there were 16 shots on the power plays. So then I was like, okay, well, fine, let's do the math quick. Okay. Then you had 23 shots on five on five, or at least even strength, because there was plenty of four on four action as well, which I mean, we can get to that, but I mean, like, if that's the best you can do is try to muster, you know, barely just over 20 shots on five on five. It's, it's not really a, I didn't think it was that great of a mark to, to, to reach. So that's where I was kind of baffled. And that's where I was like, I don't know what, I didn't think we were watching the same game or it must've looked well, way I, different I just, on TV than it did on the bench. He It just might be th- th- four
1: dimensional chess with these post game remarks, because, um, You saw if you saw the shots of him behind the bench, he was more animated than he usually is getting a little heated yelling to his team, not to refs or anything. But it seemed like he was a little bit more demonstrative than he normally is uh, behind the bench. So perhaps it's all just kind of a dog and pony show with these post game remarks. How much do we really feed into them? But, Um,
0: you know, he like you said, last year, around that February time when we had that little dip, he did the same thing. Yeah turned it around. It turned out to be, he turned out to be right. So I'm, I am blindly following, uh, the, the bald guy behind the bench. Cause I mean, what else am I going to do? But I, I, that's, uh, that's, that's one thing I'm definitely going to, I don't know. That's what I'm worried about.
1: As far as defense, I know we've, we've picked on Anhorn and Peart. And again, maybe our, our amount of criticism is is as much as it is because of what we expect from those players and that might not be fair but i feel like they're sort of one a and one b at that position and when they struggle i think it's warranted to mention it the other d uh, I mean, we should mention that third goal for my or for um alaska um which ended up being the game winner bad play by cooper wiley um who sort of bit too early on an attempt. And then he had Warren Clark sort of slide over to sort of try to save the day. Uh, That was obviously not a good sequence. I will say I thought Clark played better this weekend. Um, I didn't love that play that he tried to make on that, on that goal, but he was sort of hung out to dry there and and it, it was a close attempt. He, he fairly nearly did break the play up. I will give him credit too on the first goal for the huskies um which that's right so it, yeah so that wasn't a power play goal but it was an extra attacker goal because it was on a delayed penalty Clark I got an assist on the play and deservedly because I thought he he um had a bit of poise there he was carrying the puck in the neutral zone right around center ice there was a defender coming up towards him and instead of sort of. Panicking and maybe dumping the puck, which probably would have resulted in an Alaska touch-up. Um, he sort of took the uh, calm approach, s- stopped, kind of skated around, avoided the guy, passed it off to Okabe, who then set up the shot, and then it was uh, Miattin with the rebound to score the goal. And again, that was all on a delayed penalty call. So okay. if, if Alaska gains possession, it's nullified. I thought Clark kept the play play. Uh, he kept the play continuing and really kind of set that play up. Um, And so I thought that he showed some poise and, and and didn't um, overreact to the situation. It was calm and composed. And I thought that was good to see from him. So based on, I thought a rough first two weekends from Clark, I thought a step up um, this weekend. So, I mean, there were, there were some, some bright spots here. I, I still think Molinar has been, has been good this year, more, more action. We've talked, you know, more praise to, to Joe Molinar in, in this first three weeks, than probably you know, maybe all of the first season. couple, <laughs> couple of years combined. So it's I yeah, to see I thought him stepping up. Molinar has been strong. Um I mentioned kind of Rogers struggling. We should, we should talk a little bit about Bassey. Yeah. Let's um, get to Bassey here. Um, why, don't you, uh, why don't you take the lead on that
0: well, one? Well, I I just want to say that I don't know if it's going to stick or if I'm going to keep doing it. But, I mean, it just kind of reminds me of Quasimodo in a way, whereas... He's cranking out the literary references today. <laughs> right? <laughs> I was... Just just because when, you know, just like... When you're six, whatever, six 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 seven. Like you just hunchback like that, like when you, when you're a hunchback, sitting in net, you're expected to beat get beat high, and when you're six nine or whatever you are, you, like like like, just how are you getting beat high so often so consistently? He got burned. I think it was at least three times by blocker. Um, I think and then one other by high glove. Um, but it was and. Somebody from the, uh, you know, who was watching warmups said that Bazzi got beat high blocker routinely in warmups as well. So it was like, it's, it, it's just like, it's a, a textbook. It's just easy playbook on what you have to do to this goaltender is just shoot high on him. And he just whiffs at everything. Just, just don't doubt absolutely. that that's, don't doubt that that scouting report
1: is out on him. Oh yeah. Um, I wonder if in, when he was getting beaten warmups, if he was doing the where he's got the blocker extended and he just leaves it there after the goal, that's what he does. Like if he gets gets uh, beat blocker side, he just kind of sticks his blocker out and then sort of looks at the blocker like what, like why didn't I get that? Um, that's sort of the bassy if
0: you're oh, gonna dress like, up
1: as Bassie, just do that, just stick right? out the blocker, and should, just, just look stick out and it. Then be like, look huh? it. yeah. It's like <laughs> have like, like the head, a head on the statue.
0: There's going to be a statue in front and it's going to be him just looking behind him. Like what? It's like the bassy pose. Right.
1: Yes. And it would be one thing if you're uh Darren Pang uh, yeah. and you're five foot four and, and and you can't, uh, you can't touch the crossbar on your tippy toes. But um, I can't, I don't know. Is that like a lazy take? Like, Oh, a tall guy gets beat high. like, why? Maybe it is. Like I said, I'm, I, I I feel like everyone like angrily corrects me when I say something bad about Peart. Like, God, oh, he's great. What are you, are you high or what? Uh, and maybe that's similar to criticizing Bassie for getting beat high because it seems so just simple common sense.
0: But... Well, I think like with Peart, it's it's more of a you know if it's your type of style. I still look at him as like a poor man's of Sean. Uh, is it, kind of what well, I and that's here is. yeah you know?
1: and he's he's definitely in that mold and I will say it probably colors my analysis of him because the, the Ashan mold is not my favorite for a defenseman it's sure. a flashy type of player but it's just not my preference mm-hmm. you, you're free to like that kind of type of player yeah. more than that. And, and
0: that's but. the thing maybe that's a little more you know, if it's your type of if it's your type of sauce if you like the spice yeah it you know you're going to like that type of player a little bit more Whereas with Bassey, it's like you have all of this evidence. You have all of this body of work of him in that pose looking over his blocker like, geez, how did I get beat high? I'm 6'6". Six, six. So, and it's just, it it was just frustrating just to see that specific pose over and over. And then, you know, we're down or, you know, we tied up 2-2 two, two and then just to see that pose to go down three, two. And I'm just thinking this is, this is this, this we're going to die on this now it's because I didn't see us punching back coming. Like it was just, I don't know. I kind of gave up. And,
1: and it was from yeah. that point on, it was just a slow unraveling of yeah. everything. Oh, Then they take, so then Rogers takes that penalty. Yep. Completely unnecessary. It was like basically in the, in, in the offensive zone or was like just in the neutral zone, just, a, yeah. a slash. Outside, it was just, yep. Um, and so then takes that penalty. They score pretty shortly into the power play, which if you look at that replay, Peart does a great job screening Bassey. Just like perfect. It's like, why can't we have a St. Cloud guy screen a goalie <laughs> like that when St. Cloud's on the power play? He was just right two feet in front of Bassey's face, Peart just sticking give... his ass right in his face. And it's just like, and then he
0: turns back. It's
1: like, yeah, of course he didn't see the puck. Peart and should so...
0: give uh, Solquist screening lessons, is what you should Shut say. <laughs>
1: Maybe put period on the power play in the screener role instead of at the point. Maybe we got some, we're coming up with some good ideas here, but yeah, that, and then you had the empty netter. uh, And then that was like three minutes to go in the game. We still had garbage time there. I think St. Cloud even had a late power play in that garbage time period. And that nothing was happening there either. And so it was, it was uh, from bad to worse to terrible in a very short sequence. And that's kind of think why I kind of lost it. Yeah, in a, in a sense that I hadn't really lost it. Even in the February swoon last year, it didn't feel like I was this upset. Probably because back then, Saint Cloud had built up such equity in the pairwise that even that what ten game kind of winless or was it pointless? Or yeah, I think it was winless. It was winless. He, had some, he had some, he had some shootout had wins like quite and quite a in few there, shootout stuff. And, not like a real win there for about the whole month of February, and it felt like okay you really got to just completely not win another game the rest of the way. That's the only way you're not going to make the tournament in this, this month. It's almost like you're losing the season before it really even starts. I mean, conference play hasn't even started yet and seemingly have dug quite a hole here. Perhaps we should sort of wrap up this segment with some big picture things kind of uh, stemming from those thoughts. You know, my my expectations for this team have drastically shifted. Yeah. Um at this point, I think home ice in the playoffs is kind of a pipe dream. Um but say nothing. I don't about, know about it. But
0: but like we're we're gonna be battling for it. I don't think there's any way we're not gonna be battling for home ice in the NCHC.
1: And that's weird to say because NCHC play hasn't even started. But yep. if we're if we're talking about expectations. In three weeks, I have gone from Penrose winner to maybe sixth. Uh, And again, that might be as wrong as my first place uh, prediction was. Most likely, it's going to be somewhere in between there. But um, I I certainly don't see uh, this right now. This is not a good hockey team. And I don't think that's really going out on a limb too much. Yes, there's certainly plenty of time. Said that last week, too. There's 28 games left. Um, but I'm just not seeing it unless we get the usual suspects in particular to start turning around here. Uh, yeah. Does Anhorn need to turn into the Hobie Baker candidate that we thought he may have been? No, but he at least needs to be more than pedestrian. Was, was that your, that's what uh, I said. He needs to be not just that, but better than that. Okabi needs to start showing up in the score sheet and at least mm-hmm. taking shots when he's got, clear lanes at, at scoring chances. Um, we've got to find a better sort of consistent performance defensively. We got to see more consistency on the power play. Here's,
0: here's my big question. At this moment, do you go back to a goaltender rotation?
1: Well, and, and, and that's, I, I'm glad you brought that up because that was on my mind as well. It's, it's, inter- it's going to be interesting how this unfolds from what I'm thinking Larson's going to do here is that he's basically be going to be putting out what he thinks is his a lineup, which is what has been happening so far this year with some tinkering. There's going to be some line shuffling probably, but I think he's going to stick with Bassie through Christmas or maybe let's say the, the Bemidji series, which is like a new year's the first half of the year from my perspective. And he's going to think I need my veteran guys. I need the guys that I planned on this year. If by the end of the first half, I think they end the first half, the second week in December against Omaha. If they end that first half and we're talking sixth, seventh place, we're well below 500. I think the second half of the year is when you start giving freshmen more playing time, when you implement a more, more of a goalie rotation. I'm not saying that posh or gray might not get any starts, but before then, but I would still expect Fridays is going to be bassies no matter what until December. And maybe if you're going to cycle in one of the other guys, again, we think that gray is still hurt. I think there was some reportage from Sidney Wolf regarding the fact that he is still nursing an injury. And so it might depend on whether if he becomes healthy, if they're itching to get him some action over posh, since posh has already gotten some mop up duty. I don't think you really go into a, a a goalie uh, rotation until, First half of the year is done, and maybe Larson's kind of chalking the year up. I think it's it's er- too early for him to throw in the towel with that. From my perspective, I start Posh first game against Miami. And then if Gray's, when Gray's healthy, you're starting him the first available time that he can start. If this is going to be more of a rebuilding year, we got a lot of young guys. And uh, from what I've said in previous weeks, the young guys have been looking fine for the most part but you've still got guys like gross and Ryman who are really only getting one day a weekend in the second half of the year. I kind of want to have, see them to get more, more regular playing time. Um, see what we got. If this is going to be a rebuilding year, make the most of it by giving these guys as much experience as you can going forward, similar to what the 1920 season was, where you were able to find out you had a lot of young guys then too, but by playing them sort of exposing them to the wolves, you may have gotten as many warts out of their game as you possibly could. And so I, it's it's a, de- a delicate balance. You're not going to completely tank. And this isn't a sport that that is really beneficial for you. And I think from his perspective, too, conference play hasn't started yet. So I think he's still, if, if I'm guessing, Bassey's still going to be the main guy. If not, too, I, I would be surprised if he's if he doesn't get you know, all except maybe two or three starts until again the end of the first half. I would play it differently because he has not shown a, a, a base competency that he can carry this team for an extended time. But just knowing what coaches like, we see what we see with what we've seen with Solquist over the last couple of years. He's got his preferred sort of plan in his head, and I think it's hard for him to deviate. From that, that might all change if Anhorn nails him with another defender going 60 miles an hour on one of these breakaways uh, soon, and maybe the decision is made for him that Bassie is hurt. I'm not wishing that on anyone, but if it was up to me, I certainly would be already probably in a goaltending platoon, Um, but just from my hunch, knowing sort of how coaches like to proceed, I'm expecting that there's going to be a. Uh, regular diet of bassy at least for the foreseeable future what do you think
0: um yeah i would uh, i mean i i I don't know i think you summed it up pretty well i do wish that they'd go back to it because i don't think bassy can handle a full weekend i mean just straight up that's what it's come to um to put put in these performance and right now he's sitting at an um, eight eight seven save percentage, which is you know the worst of his career so far. Um, you know in Colorado College, it, granted it was an eight eight eight, but it's it it's just a situation where it's it, I don't know. I just don't trust them for a full weekend, and until we see some of those changes and and but the changes are just so. I think so far gone for him and they're so far out there because something along that is just the style of his goaltending and how he plays. That's become so ingrained in second nature that it was probably drilled into him. It's like, Oh, you're so big. Just go down. You'd still be able to cover the top of the net. Clearly that's not the case. And it's not like something you can just tell a goaltender, Hey, stop going down on shots. That's your, that's not going to change. We're going to have this problem. So it's you know we, we can just hopefully they're just drilling them in practice on the high blocker and high glove um because that's definitely where everyone is going to shoot um coming up here uh, really the rest of the season yeah it's it's gonna be interesting how they
1: how they play it i i it's it it is well too way too early to wave the white flag in the season just oh yeah. I'm not seeing enough that convinces me that this is a above average team. Even we're talking, if we think that Alaska's in the 15 to 25 range, I don't know if St. Cloud's even in that range. Um, if I'm going to predict. So, uh, now of course there's time there's, and it's kind of, I mean, it reminded me of the 1920 season a little bit. Um, when I was talking to a friend over the weekend shortly after that Saturday game, um, Whereas that first half of the year was rough. That was, if you remember, getting swept at home to CC, a single-digit win CC team that year, uh, losing and tying against a terrible Princeton team. I think Princeton won like four games that year, and one of them was at home uh, to St. Cloud. And so we saw the cracks there, but then the second half of the season, we saw that was the uh, you know Mankato slaughtering with Okabe's four-goal performance. We saw him sweeping North Dakota um, in the second half of the season, a, a very good North Dakota team that year. So we, we saw some spurts and we saw some flashes of future promise. And I think that from Larson's perspective, I've always said, I think he's a better recruiter than he is an actual in-game coach. His recruiting in the next couple of years, looks pretty darn good. Now, knock on wood for no Leah Gruba ask uh, departures, but um, who is
0: just tearing up the USHL, right? Just now. Just tearing it up. Oh, yeah, it, it really just...
1: looks like he really needed that extra year of USHL season. Yeah. if, if he if that was the whole plan was to win the USHL uh, Player of the Year or MVP or whatever they give out, then he, that's working like a charm. But uh, yeah, barring any, I mean, he still kept it up. We saw that that uh, Ernest from um, Roso, who seems to be a Ho- or a, a Mister Hockey candidate this year, putting up. You know, great career up there. He was recently added to the fold recruiting wise. They've got some real talent in the pipeline and the, the talent that they brought in this year as a freshman class, I think has a lot of promise. And we've seen mm-hmm. continue to talk about how good Barrett Hall's looked. Um, and so, and, and Verner as well. And so yeah. he's got a good foundation here. I don't think this is, we're not talking about, we're, we're heading into Miami territory uh, when we're going to be bottom feeders here, but If you're got, if you are going to have a a down year relative to St. Cloud's success uh, of late, at least make the most of it. See what you have. You don't want to go into next year with Posh and Gray and whoever else might be in the uh, future for the goaltending situation. You don't want to just go into that year uh, just with, you know, with a guy that is very inexperienced. And so see what you have at those sort of key positions. Uh, But that's a development to keep an eye on. I, I Again, like in the short term, I don't expect to see wholesale changes, um, but I wouldn't mind seeing them <laughs> because we're two and four against this batch of teams, uh, which doesn't uh, bode well uh, when you actually get into the heart of the NCHC schedule.
0: Now, again, sitting at two and four, I know we're a little bit early for this. Um, maybe if we have some kind of uh predictions show or prediction prediction show or something. Wisconsin rule update. <laughs> <laughs> if we have if we have, if we are gonna be succumbed to the Wisconsin rule, if we are gonna be that team <laughs> where we are gonna be eligible pairwise because of just the strength of the NCHC, which has been better I think than I originally thought they was because I was the one who said only what two teams were going to make it from the tournament right now. You said two.
1: I thought, I I thought it was three. Maybe
0: I said three, but like, I did say that it was, it was going to be a down year for the, for the, for the nacho. So, but. Which it might be. I mean,
1: I, the, the non-conference, it really comes down to, the Wisconsin yeah. rule. I, I'm glad that yeah. you played the sounder. Cause I didn't know if we were going to have it. Wasn't that one of the, uh, that was the prediction of the prediction show. So you're just, you're just uh, pumping up your, your bet here. But, uh, yeah. um, that takes a, like an elite level conference like that for the NCHC's perspective, it takes like more than half of the teams in the league making, making mm-hmm. the tournament. And I'm not sure if I'm going to go out on that limb at this early stage. And just from St. Cloud's perspective it, to, to make the, uh, to have the Wisconsin rule take effect, you got to be under 500. So we're talking about a team that's going to be right teetering on one game under 500. Any more than that, you're going to be too low in the pair wise. You got to be like right around like 16 and 17 and one. It's on a record like that. I'm not sure if I'm thinking 16 wins out of this group. Yeah. Huh? So uh, yeah, I hope, I hope you're right. Cause at this point, <laughs> I don't think this team's coming close to an NCAA birth, but I'd love to see it.
0: Well, um, what do you, uh, what do you got here for your pal? Boy, I I spent
1: so much time, uh,
0: waxing poetic about (laughs) all these great, um, I mean, for me, yet. it's it's been actually kind of a bright spot actually for the season, and for me, it's VidiMut and and that's who I'm going to give it to. Just I mean, it's a four point weekend, so for me, it was a fairly easy pick. Um, I think I'll agree with that. So, so that's who uh, I ended up picking. Um, and. Uh, just uh, some some tips from Go Huskies. Woo. Um, just kind of rambling thoughts. Um, he says that we should maybe look at going to a to a goalie competition. Maybe something needs to like spur Bassie on and go in with Dom Friday and Posh on Saturdays. Um. Uh. It, Angles on power plays uh, needs to make anyone who runs the play on the power play and shoots it outside the dot run herbies until they die. <laughs> like anytime they're, they're shooting it wide and it just rings around the boards. Um, uh, penalties need to stop. Um, this group we can't be playing um, like that, especially against better opponents. And again, not not just the penalties, but or not just the fact that they are penalties, just the type of lazy slashing or hooking, tripping, like just lazy stick infractions that that have really got to me. Uh where did uh, Hobie Dylan go? Yeah, that's um, that's where we're all looking. Um, this is uh, Pierce last year. He'll likely squander it, or you know, we'd hate to squander it. So
1: but another one of those penalties we need to cut down on is those embellishment penalties. Jeez, oh, <laughs> no kidding. Two in hey. the in the first month here.
0: Yeah. What is um what were your thoughts um also on the um uh what well, what they end up calling it? Boarding? Oh uh, on, on Molinar. On Molinar. Yeah, um, I because like my right away I was like, that should be five because of how they've called it in the past. Um, because I felt like they've called that play so many times as a five minute major. And I know the argument is, oh, he turned into it or he turned or, blah blah blah. Yeah, that's not in the rule book, so that shouldn't matter. Sorry, the onus is on the player checking now. It's not on not putting yourself in a vulnerable position. Lonar just tried to turn and make a play. Yeah, that put him in that position, but at the same time, it's still on the checker's responsibility not to hit him. And to have that play go down in the book the same as the penalty 30 seconds later of that slat that, you know, hitting that stick. It's just like one of the things that just kind of puzzles me when it comes to hockey, because I do think that should have been a five minute major.
1: Yeah, I've certainly seen lesser hits get called for a major. Yeah. Uh yeah, and, and they t- it
0: just makes me think, like, what are we doing? Like, what like what's the And they had they, the they looked thing? at it for like oh, five, yeah.
1: five solid minutes. And again, just grinding the game to a halt. They did that a few times over the weekend. Just can't just hate reviews. um, And it, you think at least if you're going to spend that much time for review that you're going to get the call right. But I, I don't know. It, it, at this point, I don't just get the game moving. I, I would have said five minutes, but uh, especially if you're going to look at it like that, like I, I would. If it was just two minutes, but you're not going to review it, fine. You know, like if you're just made the call on the ice and you didn't review it, I'm fine with that. But the fact that you had to spend five minutes looking at it and then still come out with the same result, uh, didn't make a whole lot of sense. And yeah, we don't really know what the rule is, if what's what's the responsibility of the player who's being checked. It's kind of like uh blaming the victim, right? Um so I don't know what exactly Molinar needed to do better um for that play to not look as bad as it did because at least it looked bad but at least it wasn't hurt after it yeah. so yeah it's just I, I didn't really understand that but i've ceased understanding <laughs> officials, a long uh, time officials ago. just all of it so uh, here's an yeah. important question but um, like
0: all i'll say we'll put, put a bow on sure. this and just say that we will see that type of hit again and i guarantee you it will be a five it will it'll be the exact same we'll put them side by side it'll be a guess, guess which one's 2 guess which one's 5 it'll be the same thing
1: do that so when when they when well, that I'll do it. invariably happens do yep. that uh juxtaposition and i want to i want that to go viral on the uh on green ground every, every. so um but this is this is an the important question uh what do you think the new uniforms and wor- was it worth the wait red
0: numbers red numbers um and the husky logo shoulder patch um which i did tweet out also a while ago i was like i'm not
1: sure if i saw that so was that the is that the um the the secondary dog or whatever Mm -hmm. the one that the women's team has it front and center yeah okay i guess i didn't notice that but that's on their shoulder patch now yeah um i thought the red was a nice little change of pace
0: yeah the, red, the yeah, red I, yeah, the red numbers. Yeah, the red numbers. It took a second, and I was like, "Huh, oh, that's that 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 that's weird." But like, I'm always in favor of more color. Um, you know, I think black and white are just kind of overdone. So I, I was a fan of it, and I'm just confused on the university's like usage of that secondary logo, and I wonder if it was because of that backlash when it originally came out. But I was just like, I don't know what the whole point of it, like it's supposed to be like the athletic department logo, but it's not always, it's like not on the jumbotron next to the, like, so it's like, I don't know. It, it, it's just kind of puzzles me how they always use it. So it's not like, what it's. I don't know. 10 years or so now, since they have put it now, now that it's finally made it to a men's Jersey. So it's just kind of, I don't know, weird. Uh, the whole situation. Uh, so this
1: was the first time that's ever graced a men's uniform.
0: Men's hockey uniform. I mean, someone can fact check me on that,
1: but. So I think you're better is. at noticing those kind of details. I'm tonight.
0: pretty sure it is. It's been on the women's for a while. Um, but and like you said, like now their black ones have that logo front and center. Which is a little bit jarring, maybe a little bit, but it's like no, that's it's fine.
1: I like the the women's jersey, the roads where it's the red. The reds. Oh, the red no, I want to buy one. Can we have that for I was thinking like have those for the men as well. Yes. And then, and then flip like, um, or is there a way that we could, yeah, flip the, so the reds that the men's team wears now, it's got the St. Cloud script, make that into a black Jersey, kind of flip it. Cause right now you got the black with the C and then you have the red Jersey with the St. Oh, Cloud okay. state script, which I, I still like that. That's the Jersey that I have the St. Cloud script.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: But it's been like 10 years that they've worn those maybe flip that color scheme like you did with the, the red sea Jersey, which I do like those really pop, I think. So yeah. I don't know. It'd be nice to see a little bit of shake up. Mm-hmm. You don't need to shake things up. It's just kind of change tweak, you know, just invert the colors a little bit or just do something like that. I, I yeah. thought that was, that would be a good idea.
0: Yep. yep. Exactly. So, um, and uh, that's you know kind of it. I think for the men's uh, for the men's weekend. I think uh, we've we've talked about that enough. Uh, um, I didn't skip a segment, right? And that was that. Oh, that I, I there was something I was like bothering me. I was like there. There was something else I want to talk about. I want to talk about Barrett Hall, just quickly. I've been incredibly impressed with him. Mm-hmm. Um, every weekend, I thought he's been playing more like a junior than a freshman out there. Um, I was trying to think of when, like, the last impactful freshman, like, who do you think of who the last one was? And I was trying to compare who it would be compared to. And, you know, I was kind of going through, I was like, you know, who had a really solid freshman campaign? And I was like, you know, I think maybe... Brodzinski kind of did I would say so probably be Johnny but I don't uh, that's kind of where I was thinking and I was like am I more impressed with Barrett Hall as a you know three weeks in than Johnny Brodzinski three weeks in no I mean maybe I have to go back to Nodal like as the last like truly impactful freshman yeah had a good start yeah and a really good start um as well so i just kind of took a list of you know points per game i sorted out by freshman campaigns you know since uh the 99 2000 season and yeah the the top two were garrett rowe and nodal at 1.15 goals per game or points per game okay. i don't see hall getting that high especially on this team um lash was at you know 0.97 Asimont. Uh, 82 nope. 82 and then one that stuck out to me mike doyle's freshman year <laughs> 17 that, that 99 2000 season 17 goals 15 assists for 32 points pretty pretty good yeah then johnny brodzinski so mike doyle had a higher points per game percent than johnny brodzinski
1: i mean the thing with Mietten and most of his points that freshman year were, were in the pod were in that yeah. one month in the pod. Cause he didn't do it. Or I think it was maybe the first weekend outside the pod that he had a big weekend. But then after that, he really kind of went cold. Mm-hmm. So if you're talking about the first few weeks, he probably should throw his name into the ring as well. That's but... true. That's true. But it's you know, uh, it's more impressive to keep that pace for an entire season like those players did. So
0: fourteen fourteen games, Chris Perslow. <laughs> Eleven points in fourteen games. It's a name from the past. Yeah. Uh Cam Reed. Oh yeah. Eight eight goals, twenty-one assists, twenty nine points in thirty seven games. And then uh and then our first defenseman. Do you want to guess who the f- defenseman was? Give me the year. Ooh, I don't know. Or I, give
1: me give me the coach. So I Moscow. can know kind of what the era is. Moscow. I don't know. Schultz? He's Yeah, for like offensive defenseman, he's going to be an answer yeah. to a lot of trivia questions, I bet.
0: Five goals, 24 assists, 29 points in 38 games. 0.76. So, right now, Barrett Hall has, and I clicked it off to get Bassey's wonderful save percentage, uh, four points in six games. So, sitting at a 67, um, or .67 points per game. So, right now, that's sitting around Joe Motzko territory. Blake Lazat was at .69. Nolan Walker at .75. Easton Brodzinski, .63. And I kind of look at, barrett hall when i saw easton brodzitzki's name and i was like you know what i can kind of see that kind of connection there but i do think that um it's you know barrett hall so far has impressed me a little bit more than like easton did when he started so
1: yeah yeah i'd agree with that they're different kind of player profiles but uh from a point production standpoint, I think Mm -hmm. pretty, pretty similar. So yeah. So kind of like what you see from him so far this year. Yep.
0: Exactly. And then also, um, uh, uh, Werner Miettinen as well. Um, which yeah. Go us. He just said V Miettinen. So I guess, I don't know who's got that on the Jersey. Is that V Miettinen? That's Werner. So I guess Werner is his, uh, player of the weekend. So, no. Okay, but um, like you, like when you are talking about like the freshmen and, and and whatnot, it's yeah, I do agree that you know I've Werner and Barrett, especially. I think both of them are punching pretty high above their weight class or their seniority class, I guess you could say. So, but um, anything else uh, kind of around uh, men's college hockey landscape that you want to touch on? Obviously, the you know kind of the big. Marquee matchup was the split between uh, North Dakota and Minnesota, um, where it was kind of one team taking it to the other team each night. So that was, and you know, those are obviously always you
1: know intense games, uh, big rivalry. Obviously, uh, Denver's going to probably get the memo to stop traveling out east yeah they do they do every year and maybe it won't deter them um it's it it might be a plan of theirs to do that because it's a good opportunity to see a potential tournament opponent um during a season you're not going to be able to see eastern teams a whole lot when you're in denver so and maybe it's like getting a long travel um plane ride under your belt uh and come playoff time, it's likely that they are going to have to travel uh, a ways, but there's results over the last couple of years have not been very good. Um, they did the same Providence BC weekend a couple years ago and got swept there, got swept last year at UMass um, this year, able to salvage a split in the weekend, losing against Providence and then beating Boston college. I watched the end of that game. It's BC top three matchup between those two teams and, uh, very good, very good game. Um, and, yeah, Providence looks pretty decent, too. Uh, we were talking before the show, we might, speaking of predictions, because we have some, uh, we have an, a bye week next week. Mm-hmm. We don't have a ton of content. We might be just be going crazy and do a uh, predict the field after October uh, results. We do that every year in the first part of January, but uh, we might extend it this year just to make some in Truly crazy kicks.
0: Let's just get weird, right?
1: But I'll give you a preview of that. I didn't realize this until like last week, but and Providence is off to a good start. Um, Splitting against Michigan at Michigan, beating Denver um, and and beating Stonehill. That obviously will will jack up their pair wise. (laughs) Um, But Providence, I'm going to say Providence will make the field and they're going to be a four seed. And they're going to beat a one seed in the tournament. Why? Ooh. Because Providence has a regional this year.
0: Oh, um, Providence in Providence. <laughs> and the last
1: two times that they've gotten into the tournament, it's uh, yeah. been in a Providence regional and go. they've beaten a one seed and made the frozen Four. one of the years they, they won the whole thing, which is one of the more fluky championships of late. Uh, and they're not. And so I'm going to predict that they're going to make the field. They're going to win the number be the number one seed. Um, and then people are going to be like, they're not the host. Brown is the host. So they weren't, <laughs> they weren't, uh, there, people are going to say that. And they're also going to be like, just bid, just put in a bid. Nobody bids. Bid. Why are you complaining? Put in a bid. So that's going to be, it's not only that they're going to make the tournament and upset the one seed in their bracket, but uh, also that there's going to be a lot of
0: Providence
1: uh, defenders for that. Was, but,
0: so. was that... Oh, man, that was weird, because wasn't that, like, the last tournament Miami was at? It's correct. Because they were they, the team that lost to Providence in the first round. They were the one seed. They were the it was one the, seed. It was their yeah. one good year in the NCHC. They, mm-hmm. uh,
1: and so Providence beat them and Denver. Yep. They had to beat both NCHC teams to get out of their Providence regional. The last they time they beat, did that,
0: now did they beat Omaha in the semifinals? They because... did. And <laughs> so then they,
1: they beat ran. BU. They beat BU with that uh, one hopper from the Red Line.
2: Yes.
1: Um, so it and that was Jack Eichel, like BU. Uh, so yeah, they had to mow through the uh, the NCHC the to NCHC. get there, and that was the year that and that the NCHC got the six teams in that we were mentioning. Yeah, that
0: and and almost, year. and it could have been because Boston University, Boston in the semifinal beat North Dakota, so they could have Correct. Providence. We could have just given them the NCHC title actually at that point. If Pretty much, have, if they would Pretty have much. ran through those four. Um, that was when we played. That was North Tech? Dakota. Lo- yep, and then lost, right? to, North and then in lost to North Dakota and Fargo. North Dakota in Fargo. Yep. Right. So. And
1: then the last time Providence did this, they. They beat Mankato. They were the one seed in that regional. Mankato had a three nothing lead in that game, and then Providence, like I think it was six to three final. They 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 got the momentum and they just steamrolled them for the rest of the game. And then I believe they beat Cornell. I'm going to say they, they played Duluth in the Frozen Four, which you can guess how those results went.
2: Uh,
1: <laughs> so I think that's we're going to have another situation where Providence is 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 going to make a a run on a rink that yes is not their home ice but it's in their home city but it's in their so, home city so
0: sure enough that's
1: what else do we see some we western michigan again off to another good good start i mean competition has been great uh ferris at state and then uh bowling green but i mean the big thing is they're again they're finding another elite top line um yeah. another guy stepping up i mean luke granger had a really good year last year so, so- they're the one that Second got it done. center. He's now moved up to the, the top line. I think this, uh, keep calling him George went. Um, but I think it's Dylan went, we're going to call him norm from now on. There we on. go. Let's call, uh, call him norm. So norms on that line. I, I, I'm not familiar with who else is on that line. St. Cloud plays and coming up, I'm sure we'll be mm-hmm. well familiar with whatever that top line is. Maybe it'll be named properly. It'll yeah. be the cheers line, uh, where everyone knows their name. I'll know the name of the other line mate. Of that team, so they keep their winning ways going. Just call him Cliff. <laughs> Cliff Norm and uh and uh, uh, well, you could have Coach. You could have Fraser, um, Woody. There's there's a lot of possibilities. There's there's um, a lot. Who would have thought got, that we'd
0: get so many Cheers references into uh, into an episode?
1: In the same
0: episode with with the Dickens references. Mm-hmm. At that, do you have a favorite so, Charles Dickens novel? We've already or Victor this. Hugo novel for that matter.
1: Uh, I haven't read any <laughs> of them. Lame is Rob, right? Or no. Well, uh hunchback of Notre Dame. Maybe you're predicting that Bassey will transfer to Notre Dame next year. Oh, there's graduate go. in his graduates. Graduate. graduate. Uh, so yeah. What Duluth, a uh, sweep Bemidji. I'll be at one of those being an overtime win, but they're just putting up goals, which is weird. Yeah, uh, even with uh, uh, what Dominic James going out for the year mm-hmm. with an injury, Big CC them, another yep. sweep, although kind of closer results than I would imagine against Long Island, the Shocks uh, put Shocks. up a, uh, a valiant effort, but uh, CC again with their, sort of their their uh, cupcake schedule here at the beginning of the year, four and zero so far, and they got Air Force and Augustana the, coming uh, up this weekend. The one, the one Brown voter still holding strong. So, so. It's holding strong. Um, Yeah, I saw BU lose another game, um, but then smoke Notre Dame. So they're sort of still up and down. Still don't really know what that team, if they're going to come together as people thought they were. Looks like New Hampshire might be kind of decent
0: this year. Yeah, the university and no hardware. Look at that.
1: Um,
0: It's a lot for a st (laughs) Cloud fan to use it is
1: it is one of the better um trolling acronyms so
0: it it is um i mean we
1: haven't there hasn't really been opportunity to use that because it's so terrible it's usually better when they would just flame out in the tournament that Mm they we'd we'd hear that uh epithet but uh but you know beating bu last weekend and then beating quinnipiac this weekend uh in overtime, but also a, a very tight game in the first game. It turned out to be five to two, but that was a tie game until like two minutes to go. A couple of empty netters for Quinnipiac to solve that one away. But I, I think that's another early, again, this was the case last year. So I guess be patient, uh, but it looks like hockey is a little bit better this year yeah. with teams like New Hampshire. I think Maine is a team on the rise. Maine's two and oh, Yep. And they've got Quinnipiac coming up. They beat yeah. them last year, and now they, they get a chance at uh, at toppling.
0: They uh, they're Quinnipiac. at Quinnipiac, then at Merrimack. So that's going to be two, and then BC, and then BU. So they've got kind of a uh, a tough uh, schedule here coming up. So we'll see if Maine's yeah. here with you. I um, love UMass. Maine's jerseys. Yeah. I think everyone yeah. does. So, yeah, UMass is uh, pretty good. Uh, big, so big uh, quote unquote upset, I guess you can say. Um, as much as we love to bring up Penn State and their schedule, uh they got bead by oxymoron University uh, American International took them down six to four, so um we'll see how much that'll be a fun one to play with the pairwise uh customizer when it uh when it becomes uh that time of year uh flipping that one to see what that does to penn state so and see what they do the rest of the gauntlet
1: of their non-conference schedule. You know, you got Anchorage this weekend. Well, yeah. Look out, so, you know, for out. the Seawolves. Uh, and then after that, you know, Thanksgiving weekend against Lindenwood. <laughs> I, I'm I'm, ra- I'm shaking in my boots just, just mentioning it. If that scares you, they got Army coming up they at the beginning of, yeah. of the New Year. So five more... Uh, non conference, um, battles,
0: um, battles for upcoming, the and we'll Alliance. see if they
1: can make up for the loss to the to sure the
0: Jackets. So. Um, should we pivot? I think we should pivot. pivot. Let's let's pivot over to uh, to the women's to side. a good hockey team. Actually. <laughs> God, you know, I was thinking it, I wasn't gonna say it, <laughs> but you just how about this? You're I recording. was thinking this,
1: uh. Women's team going to have more wins than the men's team this year.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) It would seem that way. Uh, The women have 25 games left. 15 of them are against the top four Mm -hmm. of the WCHA. Scotty, Gophers, Ohio State, and Duluth. That's going to be a tough test.
0: Um, All All four of those teams.
1: And the men's team has 28 games left against basically all conference opponents and then Michigan and Bemidji state uh, left in there. They've got two wins. Whereas uh, women are already out to a seven win pace, seven and two after nine games. If they do finish uh, with more wins than the men's team, that would be a first in school history. That has never happened in the past. The men have always had more wins than the women. Uh, There's been one it was I think it was oh eight, oh nine, I checked this yesterday, uh, where they had where the men had one more win than the women. Um that was in like the Geese the good Geese years. Um so they came close, but um for the most part it's been not close. Most most years that men have and that's more to say that the, the men have just had really good seasons. Um, but uh it's looking that they're maybe our best hope here to carry the tor- torch in, in in a tournament appearance this year. Um And celebrating a a win at the icebreaker tournament with wins over Northeastern and Lindenwood Mm -hmm. brought home the brought home the trophy. uh, The sort of comically small trophy.
0: (laughs) Right. Um, I was looking at that. I, my, I had a trivia contest at friends and I was uh, on a team that won like a season long. And, or at not friends it was uh t g i Fridays they had a guy come in on uh uh i think it was Monday nights or Tuesday nights or something like that. they had like cheap long islands or something, but anyway they had um we got a trophy at the end of the year uh for being uh being the champions so we uh I still have that trophy and uh when looking at the uh, team posing in front of the trophy my wife pointed out yeah I'm pretty sure your your uh t g i friday's uh trivia champion uh trophy is bigger than the icebreaker trophy so it's gonna look pretty 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 uh ridiculous in the uh, trophy case I it's think. it's kind of like a a stonehenge in uh
1: this is spinal tap kind of thing where they got the little mini stonehenge dropping from the stage, do you get the reference? It looks like you don't. But no, it was sorry. really small. They they wanted they drew it up as feet and they, they made it as inches. So it was really tiny. But that's kind of the thing where and then it was like the all tournament team they gave out like these little clear plastic discs <laughs> kind of look like. I couldn't even see them in the pictures because they were like blue sight It's just like you need to up your budget there for the <laughs> for the trophy presentation. But uh, weak, tro- weak trophies or, or not, still a very good uh, performance from the women this weekend. So 2 nothing on Friday, which I kind of called uh, on the last podcast. Uh, not the score, but I said it would be low scoring. It doesn't take a, a yeah. genius to figure that out between these two teams and very good goaltenders for, for both sides. No matter who St. Cloud starts, and they started a on Friday. Uh, and then we, we mentioned the stats that Gwyneth Phillips for Northeastern had coming into this game, not just for this season, but for the whole career, being a sub one uh, goals against uh goaltender for her entire career. So we knew it was going to be a, a defensive struggle.
0: And it was. I I, I, I do have to jump in really quick. You done not
2: mess up, A.A. Ron!
0: <laughs> uh, and just issue a correction. That is the o seven o eight team. Uh, not the 08, 09 team. Uh, um, that, w- that the women's team came the closest to matching the men's team. Yes. Yep. 18. Okay. Thank you. Uh, the women's team was 18, 15 and five and the men's team was 19, 16 and five.
1: And that was so. a tournament team for the men. Um, yep. even with that record, that was the um, crazy, that was the year of the Wisconsin rule. So yep. you can see why why the record didn't need to be gaudy for them to make the tournament that year. Yep. Thank you for um, the correction.
0: Well, and the reason why is because that was the team that I covered um, uh, was the yep. 07, 08. Uh, like the, the Felicia Nelson, so, Felicia uh, Nelson, uh, Caitlin Hogan, Megan Feeson, Holly Roberts, yep. uh, Danielle Hirsch, Laura fast. Yep. So, and, uh, Geeson was, was not very
1: happy, uh, answering your Woodward and Bernstein, uh, reportage questions that you would pepper him with
0: um you seem just more annoyed like (laughs) but can you blame him i mean uh, a little (laughs) bit like (laughs) like i get that i'm a student newspaper and all but at the same time like alan spock isn't down here reporting on your team just give me your standard stock answers the women were all a pleasure to talk to god they were so fun and like especially um Marie Michelle Lamoureux. Oh, she was hilarious, and she had that thick Quebecan accent too. You know, she was just always I think the funny. word is Quebecois. Quebecois. I think that's the um, adjective. Yeah, and then um, uh, Megan Fison and I actually had pretty good rapport talking to each other. I talked to her. I always tried to get her to get a quote, but um, yeah, Giesen was just really. That's all right. Thanks. I'll just. I'll just. I'll just talk to the players. They seem to be more enjoyable, which is why I got nervous emailing Adolski for an update of Emma Gentry because I like had flashbacks because I also had to, I can't remember her name, but the women's volleyball coach at that time too was always just terrible to get a quote from as well. And I can't remember her name and maybe cause I've blocked it out. Cause I had maybe that's why he never, too got many awkward conversations with her. He didn't know her name. Yeah. Not showing the
1: respect that the Not women's uh, volleyball coach uh, mm-hmm. garners. Well, but, I mean, well, good luck so. uh, getting a response from Idelski. He yeah. seems uh, what's the laconic? You know that word? Just kind of brusque, short with answers. I kind of I, he's kind oh. of like me in that regard, so I, I kind of like it. But he <laughs> seems. Dry but,
0: and, and very deliberate with his very answer. deliberate, and like, like very, like very syncopated with his thoughts. So, I don't know, maybe we're email. all saying <laughs> this lovingly, Brian. Um, and <laughs> please respond to uh, to Weldy's email because that's the only way we can get updates. Yeah, that's apparently. the only way we can get updates. Is like, I just want to know what's going on with Emma Gentry,
1: right? And he, as you're hinting at, was yeah, not available this weekend, not still. available
0: this weekend, and I mean the the reason why that's I would say is kind of a big deal is that, you know, against Union, um, six one, four nothing wins um looked incredibly good. That was the last time this Huskies team was full strength. Right. Because then Taylor Lind went down with an injury. Um she was finally back and I thought looked incredibly I thought good she this weekend. Good. Yep. Um um and then now that Lind is back though, um Gentry's been out for the last, you know, three days or so. Or three games. Well, or yeah, five yeah. now.
1: So correct, yeah. So yeah, starting with the Bemidji Min- series. Yeah,
0: Bemidji, Minnesota. And we're thinking Pittsburgh.
1: again, illness, right? Because we got that off the Big
0: Ten network. We got that feed off of the, the Big Gopher Ten game. of the Gopher was illness, and then I actually again have to issue a correction. You done messed up, um, That I think I said during the podcast that neurovirus is going around. Uh neurovirus is like a stomach bug. My wife corrected me on that, which is like firing out both exits type of, hmm. and I don't think that's going around. It's, it's more of just actual flu COVID cases is kind of going around in, in central Minnesota. Um, I have, uh, I had a relative, um, you know, got positive for COVID and uh, my mom got positive for COVID. So it's like, so that's kind of going around in central Minnesota Obviously speculating about what the illness is, if it is COVID or anything along those lines, I don't know that would fit with it being an illness. Um, But again, unconfirmed reports that it was an illness um, because I guess I I don't know how much I would like, I I don't know what they went into with the reporting in the big 10 network um, when it comes to the game against Minnesota. So Anyway, roundabout yeah. way of saying I try I mean I'm, I'm trying to do some reporting is what I'm trying to do and I'm not good at it which is why I didn't pursue it. <laughs> Cuz well, Geeson uh, wouldn't talk to me, the women's volleyball coach wouldn't talk to me. Anyway. Well, Taylor lynn looked uh, good. That's yeah.
1: And as far as your pursuit of some information from coach, to quote, Leslie Nielsen from Airplane, uh we're all behind you. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Just want to want you both Just <laughs> <laughs> We're
0: all counting on you Pretty much
1: Thank you I knew I butchered the line So I'm, I'm glad <laughs> Don't call me Shirley uh, yeah, Which good. was always funny Because I, I had a grandma That was named Shirley So oh, I, bet, I bet she that. loved it When that movie came out Oh yeah It's kind of uh, like Any girl named Stacy <laughs> She kind of vaguely Remember Or she kind of vaguely Resembled um, Barbara Billingsley Who was the uh, oh, Really? excuse me i speak jive i speak jive
0: um uh, uh, in,
1: in that film so it it, it it comes full circle but uh but yeah so God, where were we women's icebreaker so yeah Did no gentry still um well yep. northeastern actually oh um, i'm
0: sorry yes uh north and, northeastern um was it katie kaufman with the lone goal yeah uh, against um um oh man i under name phillips um and yeah
1: so it so. was it was a game where i thought st cloud controlled the play um and this is i think idolsky's I style very physical team mm-hmm. and i'm really liking
0: that oh yeah their
1: style uh because i think teams hate playing against it himlarova who we saw was the uh mvp of the tournament right or player of the mm. tournament whatever getting the hat trick on saturday that makes it sound like she's more of a you know flashy, kind of skillsy player, which I'm not saying she isn't, but I think her sort of bread-and-butter style is a grind, grinding, sort of annoying-for-the-other-team kind of physical play, just a pest. She was able to convert that into three great goals against Lindenwood in the championship game, but she's just a, a difficult player to defend against, I think. And, and she started, was she
0: was the one against Minnesota that was all up yeah. in Abby Murphy's right. grill yeah, and, and, and shut, shut her, her down, and sh- not only shut her down but really frustrated because Abby I as I well. really
1: like this I really like the defensive core, but I, I single out Himlarova from the forward side of things because I think this system is not merely just a shut down trappy sort of defensive team. It's it's sort of a buzzing aggressive. Physical style. Now that that has the downside of drawing penalties, which they did they took a fair amount, at least against uh Northeastern, were in penalty trouble at various times of the game. That the obvious turning point is they got into a five on three situation, took two penalties against Northeastern. Northeastern had their best sustained pressure against Ahola, had some great opportunities that she came up huge on. And they pulled they they uh kill the penalty. Was it still a shorty? I'm going to check the box score, but, but Kaufman came out of the box. She was serving the, uh, at least one of the penalties and, um, see if it was, yeah. So it must've been, she must've been the second.
0: Yeah. She was the player in the box.
1: Yeah. So she gets the, uh, she gets the pass kind of out of the box. She enters the zone, maybe on a one on four. It's more kind of like two players here that she sort of beats them. And then she's got two other players that sort of follow her, sort of push her to going behind the net. And she kind of just turns that around and says, you know what, I'll just kind of make this a wraparound. Takes Phillips by surprise. Great shot because it went on her on her short side. I think it surprised her because she was probably expecting that to go to her far side based on the angle there. But just like one of these plays where you just like, she gets the puck and then she carries it from the neutral zone into the ice and sort of it's not like dangling around players, but it's just finessing around four players, essentially, and then beating one of the best goalies in the country. Mm-hmm. It was really a, a great play. And from a player that we really haven't even mentioned yet, Katie That's Kaufman, um, another one of these transfer players that they got. And so it's it's been impressive to see the amount of depth they have as far as the, the, the key goals can come from a lot of different sources. And so after that goal, again, able to weather a storm at the end, put in an empty netter late and, and salt away a 2-0 victory, which is very impressive, um, beating a, a team that, you know, went to the Frozen Four last year and has that sort of elite goaltender. Uh, they, they were the better team by far that game. And not to say that Northeastern didn't have chances, but uh, they stepped up on that on that penalty kill, the, the key two-man advantage situation, able to kill that off, gets the goal right off the bat, and you have the momentum from that point forward and and weren't able to let Northeastern back in the game. So I just think that the recipe that they have as far as from a physicality standpoint and from as mentioned the the defense. I've really been impressed with uh, Dale Ross in particular. I think she's one of the better defensemen they have. This Millwater as well has been very solid on the back end. They just don't make mistakes. Um, they're not going to, they're not going to like Anik has been uh, contributing some offense here. Uh, she still might even be leading the team in points. Uh, maybe not with him
0: or over now, but no,
1: Himalorova but she's is
0: now. Yeah. yeah.
1: But, but Anik had a good, good, good start to her year points wise, but, but she's also just kind of a rock defensively as well. And it's same with this other, uh, the other members of that defensive core. And then, what more can you say about this goaltending tandem? I mean, yeah. we it, its hard to lose games when you don't give up goals, yeah. and they didn't give up a goal. Uh, and this, uh, this so, tournament.
0: yeah, so against Northeastern, Ahola gets a shutout, her fourth shutout this season in four games, um, yep. and just absolutely steady back there, getting great defense. Um, but you know the has come up huge when it was needed to um you talked about um uh, millwater um who has not scored a goal all year um takes 10 seconds into the lindenwood game and uh, scores on a pretty innocuous shot i mean no one's gonna put that on a highlight reel or anything like that but it really um caught the lindenwood goaltender by surprise um but it was one of those things by the time I found the link to get the game going, you know, Huskies were already up one, nothing. So I was like, Whoa, okay. All right. Um, and you know, the Lindenwood game, um, it, it was, it was kind of interesting because like I felt like St. Cloud was just always in control, um, of that game. Um, especially first period dominating on shots, um you know get up to nothing um Bolby Bowlby comes down and just fires an absolute laser um puts it top corner and when I say absolute laser it, like looking at the stream it was on her stick and then it was in the back of the net so maybe the frame rate was down too on the NAC front row sports or whatnot but I'm not I'm not selling Bulby short because we've seen her shot this year, and that shot just picked a corner. It was a it was a it was an absolute snipe. Um, and then just it, you know, the Huskies kind of cruise after that. There were a lot of power plays in the end, talking about the physicality of the Huskies. So Lindenwood was able to get you know quite a few power plays there in the third, which I always kind of find funny when you know one team is up pretty big so you load up the power plays for the other team when clearly one team is dominating (laughs) so it's like okay you're really trying to you know get this as as some kind of a even up kind of situation but um you know jojo got the start and jojo stood tall and Mm -hmm. again didn't allow a goal so yeah um all weekend zero goals against for the women's team himla rova pops in three more natural hat trick there for the for the for the huskies and um bringing home some hardware and just looking at seven and two record so far right now for for, for the huskies and it's we've only been really with our two best players for those first two games right. like this is I'm I'm really excited for for what this team has to offer and what this this team they they play like you said, they're it's a fun physical type of uh, of hockey that they're playing, but they're also very up tempo and they're very crisp with their passing. I've been very impressed with that. Um so it's just that one really that one little hiccup against um uh Mercyhurst. Um is is just where they had those um you Know two kind of fluke goals right away, um, against them that kind of did them in, but and some power play trouble there.
1: I mean, that, that's that's I think yeah. the big worry is that that's the kind of the cost of playing such a physical game. Is that I mean, we saw another five on three opportunity for Lindenwood in that third period, a championship game that they were able to kill off. I'm just worrying you're going to give five on three opportunities to you got Scotty coming up in a couple of weeks, that's or true, Ohio State these offenses are a little bit more primed to take advantage of such situations. Now you keep getting goaltending at this sort of, it's a, uh, above elite level. Um, you're going to stay in games no matter what you can take penalty. you could be on a five on three, all game probably wouldn't, uh, you know, it'd still be a game based on the, the way the goaltenders have been playing, but it is kind of a worry that eventually that sort of style, does have its does come with its costs. But right now the kill is, is top notch and you're even able to sort of, that's another big thing of five on three penalties uh, are big momentum swings. Either way, you know, teams Mm -hmm. that score on those can use that they can score multiple goals on those sequences. But then also if you kill it off, the team that defends it and kill it off, as we saw with the Huskies against Northeastern, turning that into immediate goal uh, coming back um that was that was the difference of the game so um being able to kill those those kind of situations off um is a big key to their success so far so yeah it's it's great to see uh you got Mankato coming up um the men went there last week and uh didn't come home with a win um let's see if the uh, Huskies women's team can go down there this coming weekend and fare a little bit better. Uh, you know, it's a team that you stack up well against, I think. Um, and although they're not, they're not awful. I mean, they're not Bemidji. Like they're going to be a step up from that. I still think that this is a a series that you should be able to sweep. Um, you know, again, with Lind and Gentry, both in the lineup, would be Hopefully. great let's let's hope um but even so i mean both of mankato's goaltenders have have sub 900 uh save percentages uh to this point in the season and they're just a, a an offense that's still struggling to find out they lost a couple of their key performers scores last year mankato did so I, I you know they've been putting in valiant efforts uh the mavericks but haven't really Translated that to success, um, at least against the, the the top teams, the the top uh, uh, members of this conference, and I think they're going to struggle, you know, against against the elite squads in, uh, in the WCHA. So if you can, you know, this is kind of a nice, a, a nice test in terms of it's more of a test than Bemidji had. You're on the road too. And, but show me a sweep this weekend because then the yep. schedule starts ratcheting up with the Wisconsin home series the week following, and you don't want to look too far ahead. You can't underestimate uh, Mankato, who get who did get some votes in the uh, vaunted Dusty poll, um, yeah. which I, I was a little surprised to see. But um, yeah, I think you know they coming off well, a, a, a sweep at the hands of Duluth this last weekend. I think he should be able to handle. Mankato in their barn, um, bring it home. And then let's go into that Wisconsin series at nine and two. I think that will make for much more intrigue um, for that, for that series, but don't, don't look too far ahead of Mankato stick to
0: the task. That's ahead. our job. That's yeah. Like, if we're, if we're talking, you know, my prediction of that, they're going to be in the top half of the WCHA. You can't drop you, points. You got to win these games. You got to win these two games against Mankato. Because, you know, you draw points to Wisconsin, Ohio State, Minnesota, Duluth, Minnesota, maybe not Minnesota, Duluth, you get some of those. But, like, and, you know, sneak one or two from, I think this team can do it um, from some of the other, the bigger echelon teams. But, like, when it comes to Bemidji, you know, sweep them. They did sweep them. Now, as, you know, we got Mankato gotta you gotta take advantage um of them take them down you know and then and really help uh get you to that position where you can go ahead and um kind of you're in the driver's seat when it comes to getting home ice
1: yeah they 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 got smoked by wisconsin two weeks ago i for some reason i thought those were tighter games but no six nothing and nine nothing no not the
0: wisconsin one no
1: i was i was thinking bemidji state actually kind of played wisconsin tight in that Friday game this past weekend. It was scoreless going into the third period before Wisconsin pulled away with a 4-0 win and then smoked them on Saturday. So I think I was conflating that a little bit. Those games against Duluth this past weekend were, t- were a little tighter, 3-1, three, three to 4-1 results. But I think this is a team that you clearly have the skill advantage on, and uh, I do think you should be able to sweep this series. It's interesting how our expectations you know especially comparing then contrasting with men's team how <laughs> just in the last you know year how far we've gone you know from expect what we expect out of this women's team um a road series at mankato i mean we're kind of looking at that and we're i've already did a looking ahead to the to the week after team can't do that we we certainly can speculate but i'm just I'm really interested going into the the meat of the schedule um and we saw a glimpse of that if you want to check out our last mini pod that recapped the gopher loss uh last tuesday um but we got a sneak peek even in a loss much more competitive than we're used to in years yeah. past and and a two to one loss where, as we've mentioned, didn't play with two of your best players perhaps two of two, your two best players, perhaps. Yep. So that a, a loss there the pipes
0: to two best right. position players.
1: Right. Imagine so. those two players coming back and you're at home against Wisconsin. Um, I think that yeah. there's, there's, there's a, a chance there that we could at least very, least see some very good, very competitive hockey, which is, is very refreshing to see um, from this, from this women's team. So yep. Very much yep.
0: So. Beats the Mavs. All right. Um this is a much longer podcast than I expected. So we've been a little tighter the last few weeks, but we had a lot to say today. It's, we had a lot to say, both good and bad. I mean bad for right. the men and good for the women. So, um uh questions. Um, do you agree um with Larson that the effort was fine for the weekend? Um i i i I don't necessarily agree um basically i think that i i just think there was a lack of effort and and competitiveness on saturday and i know we talked about that a little bit but and um, i would just not
1: I would not take his words to the media as the gospel truth there. If, if he had a problem with the effort, he wouldn't be divulging that to the media. He'd be dealing with it behind closed doors, which is the appropriate channels to do such a thing. So that he's feeding a line to a reporter. Let's not, let's not look too far into it. Is what I'll say.
0: Um, two weeks off. uh, If they split with Miami, does the concern ratchet up? Well, my
1: concern is ratcheted up.
0: (laughs) That's the ratchet has already been ratcheted. So. um, Like I said, for this
1: last Alaska weekend. Coming off the Mankato sweep, I said it would be selfish to expect anything more than a split against Alaska. Now, Miami, I think, is a drop in quality of opponent, even though I'm not sold on Alaska being necessarily a good team. Do I expect more than a split? I don't know. Like, I'm just looking for quality, two quality performances in a weekend. We really haven't seen that with this group. They even struggled with Miami last year when St. Cloud was much better. So, yeah. I, I'm I'm done expecting you know take care of business weekends. Like, I expect that more out of the women's team now than the men's team. So. It'll ratchet up if if they drop a game to Miami. That's just another piece of evidence that this isn't a very good team. At, at but I've kind of uh, come to that conclusion. You know, a premature conclusion, obviously, but I'm getting that hunch already. So the ratchet effect won't be as pronounced because I've already sort of ratcheted up quite a lot in the first three weeks.
0: If that makes sense. A lot of ratcheting going on. So yes, um November prediction um you know, if we have against Miami at Western versus Minnesota Duluth versus Michigan um prediction on those games, like overall, what a record would be in those eight um what do you think like the huskies need to get for that next month
1: so well, need as far as like getting back into contention, yeah. So, you're I not know, like, as ratcheted. Eight games. I mean, that's uh, Miami aside, those are three mm-hmm. teams that, at least early on, seem to be competitive, like in the realm of possibility to make the tournament. so weird to if think not that, better that
0: Duluth that? might be the highest scoring. That is. <laughs> that is, that is <laughs> weird to, and I think it's.
1: Even if you include Miami just in the overall you throw those eight those four opponents into a pot and stir it up, that might be more qual- higher quality than the teams he just played in October. yeah, I think absolutely it is um even with Miami diluting the stew, so to speak
0: um, so and I don't think I've ever heard that <laughs> phrase before diluting the stew. That's the uh title of the podcast. Oh, well, there you go. Uh,
1: so if you if you want to get back on my um on my good graces, then yeah, like six wins. That that feels sort of not really possible. If you want to get back into tournament contention, you gotta think of, you know, some bad results, you know, St. Thomas and that was an overtime loss, but maybe this Alaska loss can sting a little bit. It might mean like the difference of you got to you got to sweep one of those, not a Miami team, but like sweep another one of those opponents. I mean, they haven't won in Kalamazoo since pre-COVID, so I don't know how we can expect anything, anything like a sweep there. It might be even lucky to get a split there. Uh but it, it wouldn't be like, it totally wouldn't shock me either. If like you get, you go two and four in the first six games and then you sweep Michigan, something like weird <laughs> like that. Uh, so uh, yeah, I mean, obviously winning as many games as possible is the goal, but realistically 500, I don't know. That's what I would say yeah. for my prediction, but you, you need more than that to impress me is what I'm saying.
0: Sure. Enough. So go go more than 500. Yeah, at this point, I just want progress, So, which is not something that I thought I would say. Um, Jason Bryant uh, had a conversation with the Alaska coach, um, and on Saturday started all five rostered Minnesota natives um, for the game. It was a cool little fact that I did not know. Um, if husky's hands uh, who should you root for um when you aren't playing them? So if you have like some kind of a girlfriend team, uh he said, Who is it? Why should it be Alaska? So Jason's firmly on the Alaska bandwagon, it looks like.
2: It for feels me, like they've
0: they've become
1: sort of a sexy kind of underdog. The underdog story, Cinderella story coming out of nowhere. I, I'm I, I'm less on that train, but if you if you're an Alaska fan, knock yourself out. That's it's better than being a North Dakota fan. Yeah, there for you instance, go. um, yeah, the uh, it's university had no
0: hardware. I feel like <laughs> that's going to be my pick. Go New Hampshire. You're going UNH.
1: Why not? I almost like it. Feel it would feel weird to pick a team in the West.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. That's you know? why you got to go. Out. So that you got to go. Got to go. So out. that's why I'm like New Hampshire, Maine. You know what? Let's go. Let's let's go New Hampshire, Maine. I I think college hockey misses Maine.
1: So all of a sudden, you've broken up with Brown.
0: <laughs> oh man. No, no more right. uh, no love more affair Brown. with Brown.
1: Yeah. Never mind. Brown. Go team Brown. And Sacred Heart. I was gonna. Ma- uh, remind you of that because they seem to be your your pick this year for Atlantic hockey. Oh, and and look pick. at what St. Cloud did coming into their barn and and stealing all that hardware, just all, just that, just all that all that huge just... Uh, oversized hardware from that <laughs> tournament that Sacred Heart put yeah, yeah. So Yeah, it's going to be interesting with um again, tune in next week for our way too early pick the field episode. I love but it. But just I I'm not I, I haven't gotten to the extent of actually picking the field, but with Alaska's run last year, we see Arizona State is off to a four and zero start. Just put a pin in that because how those two teams, like how Alaska got there last year, and how Arizona State potentially gets there this year if they're going to make the tournament, to be fairly divergent routes. To get there. My thing with Alaska last year, digging into it, I felt that they sort of took advantage, not on purpose, but out of sort of necessity. But I think they kind of exposed some pairwise flaws with their runs. And it's sort of the inverse of Arizona State. Like Arizona State's out to a 4-0 start, and they're playing a very much a, a home heavy schedule this year. They're going up to Alaska twice, so they get they're taking advantage two times of the Alaska exemptions here. So they're playing 38 games, which I'd imagine is the, the most games in the country. And they're only playing 10 true road games. They have a, a neutral site tournament. They're playing out East around Christmas time as well. So they're playing 24 home games, um, or I guess they're playing 12 road games and then two neutral site games. With the way the pairwise is, is set up though it rewards road results it weights those and it sort of discounts home results so whereas alaska last year they play they play and they, this year is the same as well they play a road heavy non-conference schedule so last year they play i think
0: 20 as road brett games. larson told us many times
1: yes i i'm forgetting that now but thank <laughs> you for reminding me that um and They're doing that the same there this year. Actually, I think it's even more of a road uh, split where it's 21 road games versus 13 uh, home games. But with the way the pairwise math works, you get a bonus for road wins and you get a discount for home wins, essentially. So it's going to be interesting. Like Arizona State might win 24 games this year, but they might not make the tournament because a lot of those wins are going to be at home. And they don't play a very tough schedule. Alaska doesn't play a very tough schedule either, but they're playing those tough games on the road. So like they're if they can split, as they did last year, they split against Notre Dame, they split against Denver on the road, and then they just won all these games against Long Island and Anchorage and all the you know, Lindenwood, all these independents. And so it's interesting how it's going to play out as far as if the formula works if Arizona state's going to be able to get in with playing such a home heavy schedule, or if that's going to go against them and it will reward a team like Alaska more by playing a more of a road heavy schedule. This is all to say, I still don't think uh, Alaska is going to make the tournament, but it's going to be interesting how the pairwise, because as an independent, these pairwise flaws, if you will, are going to be tested a little differently than teams that are in conferences because you're playing such a, di- uh, a uneven amount of road and home games and you don't have that backdoor opportunity of getting in via the conference playoffs. So it's just interesting how it's going to play out. Cause these two teams in particular have such different types of schedules. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if both or at least one of them is going to be in the uh, tournament conversation at the end of the year. I'm just interested how it's going to all play out, but
0: mm-hmm. I don't know what we get on that.
1: Alaska. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and root for them.
0: Yeah. They're a cute team. Um who's going to go on that return trip if it when it gets scheduled? Um Jason has to cross Alaska off his states to visit list. He has 7 lists, 7 left. Two of them, New Hampshire and Maine. So, interesting. Go. Rhode Island, Montana, Hawaii and Vermont. I feel like New Hampshire, Vermont, Maine, you can do in like a you week. You knock it. those out. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it used to always be at least how Moscow did it. And I know how Larson does it too, is, you know, you come here, we'll go there type thing. Now with Alaska, who kind of knows considering they're independent, uh, I would assume we would return the favor sometime.
1: They, um, but- Alaska doesn't always do that. Like I think they're, like I said, their schedule is sort of built out of necessity. They'll go to a lot of places that won't return their trips. Like they went to Penn state last year. You think Penn state's going to return that trip? No, um, they did. They did years ago. They went to Anchorage for a tournament, uh, one of those preseason tournaments that they used to have up there. But um, Anchorage, I think has been like back there, like three or four times to their one trip to Alaska eight years ago. So Alaska doesn't necessarily have reciprocal requirements for their scheduling. And you'd think a team like St. Cloud being kind of pinched, pinching pennies from a budget perspective, taking what's literally the longest trip uh, in, in college hockey would be maybe not the wisest. But then again, as I mentioned with Arizona state, if you travel up to Alaska, you do get two extra games to schedule. You can go above the 34 game limit. So you can schedule an extra, extra home series to offset those costs uh, if you'd like. And if they do travel to Alaska, it's like you're definitely going to do that if you're St. Cloud because yeah. that's the, the only way you are going to really offset those costs. So I haven't heard anything. I Last year, like I sent him, in, I sent Larson an email about the schedule. Maybe I'll make that a yearly tradition to see if we can scoop the schedule just like we did in Michigan hit, last year. Yeah, just but, hit
0: the reply button. So. But maybe I, I I
1: haven't I haven't done that yet. But uh, maybe I I will see that. Or unless if uh, Jason Bryant has any um, insight with uh, yeah. future schedules, because I think he's a guy that uh, he it's got a little bit of access. So of access.
0: Jason, let us know if, if, you, uh, J- if Jason also anything. let us know what happened with the clock. Um, what was it, beginning of the second right. period? That's a lot yeah. of problems. Yeah, yeah, maybe. We we assume it's budgetary. Was he st- was he stuck in the line to get nachos and he just Ooh, couldn't get back in time hell, to start right? the clock? You feel like you'd have like an express lane to nachos or someone would get a runner there for you. That's You're right. Like, Cuz he was pounding down <laughs> he'd nachos. would have a, in I mean, the yeah, he a
1: nacho he'd have a nacho boy that just goes and gets nachos.
0: Yeah. Uh, at his beck and call. It's like a cabana boy, but it's a nacho boy. <laughs> I need another drink. I need more nachos. That's, I mean, that's what I would do. So if I was Jason Bryan, I think I'd do the same. Right. Exactly. But I mean, now Lily's wings has a, has a stand there now at the uh, national hockey center. So maybe I would actually go get, just have a wing boy come (laughs) and just, just feed me all of the Buffalo and blue. (laughs) So. Um, uh, Most concerning for the men's team, three on three play, four on four play or five on five play. I mean, the obvious answer is yes, um, and not not three on three, not, yeah. And that's it's, I would say most. It's clown consistent. hockey, yeah. And
1: it doesn't you you don't play it in the playoffs. It's it's like the um, it's like the starting the extra innings. I keep bringing back baseball, baseball references, yeah. but it's like the starting the re- the extra innings with the uh, stupid runner, runner second. at second base. They don't do that when it actually counts in the playoffs. So don't worry if you're not succeeding at that in the regular season. So I'm actually, I I was, although I mean, four
0: and two feels a lot different than two and four certainly does. I was really surprised.
1: Speaking of four on four, the, the sequences that that were four on four this weekend against Alaska, a team, as we've mentioned, a physical team, big team, a team that St. Cloud can skate around like after that ice, right. And after that embellishment call for gross, was it? And that was four on four. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd rather that be a penalty, but four on four seems to be the next best thing because it seems like, again, with that much ice and and your skating ability, you should be able to handle a team like Alaska. It should be a quasi-advantage uh, for a team like St. Cloud over Alaska. But nay, nay, on the no. contrary. yeah, uh, Alaska seemed to play outplay them during four on four, which was, I, I thought, so- somewhat of a shocking development. Uh, over the weekend five on five play, as we mentioned has not been stellar Uh, we can quibble whether or not this weekend was the best of the bunch as far as their five on five action but at least for this weekend i was more concerned with the four on four because especially at home you'd think that that would really be really work to your advantage particularly against the team of alaska's nature that was not the case so yeah the correct answer as you said is yes (laughs)
0: Yeah, it wasn't that long after that penalty. I think it was only like thirty seconds or something like that after the four on four happened, where it was in the back of. Yeah, you know the, that was the, when he was doing the blo- the blocker, the frozen the, blocker, the the, pose. the bassy pose there with the blocker. And do you ever do yoga? We should start that. The the bassy oh, pose is that like Just... you transition from a warrior two into the bassy pose? Is that kind of how it would go? <laughs> downward dog dog. and then to
1: downward dog to um uh sideways facing husky it's kind of staring at blocker dog
0: yep there you go so all right that about does her um i don't know how many uh in-season podcasts are going to go two hours long but uh
1: you know more than you're thinking (laughs) whatever the number in your head more than that more
0: uh probably if uh if weekends like this keep happening so um go to a women's hockey game there we go i'll say that because this is a this is a fun team to watch and i think if you have any thought process of women's hockey i think it would kind of be thrown out the window watching this huskies team because they they get after it and they get after the the physicality of it too so
1: Go down to Mankato. What do you got going on this weekend?
0: Right. You can make it
1: down to Mankato. If you're on the, if you go to a Huskies hockey game, it's your chances of being caught on camera are Mm -hmm. exponentially greater. Yeah. I saw, uh, our buddy Heath with the jerseys. I saw him, uh, during the Bemidji series at least once.
0: Yeah. Seemed to see uh, him
1: a bunch. So I
0: think he also won some kind of seat of the game too. So that, uh, and they were showing pretty much
1: every like uh, during this icebreaker, they were showing fans, St. Cloud fans. I'm sure their parents, yeah. um, but they were probably sh- they probably showed every single person that attended that game throughout the game just by random shots in the crowd because there didn't seem to be anyone there. So, no.
0: yeah, go to these so, games. They're fun. They're 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 fun. And you'll witness a CC Bowl be shot firsthand because it's it's lightning quick. So, uh, what about us? Uh, um, I'm weldy at more clappers, M O A R, more clappers. I'll let you know if Adelsky sends me an email back. Uh, Andrew, Please you do. can uh, reach out to him at,
1: at Andrew at greenground.com. <laughs> and you can also send me an email at uh, huskieshockeypodcast at
0: gmail.com. Uh, I can uh, send you an email back. Speaking of that, if anybody does want an invite code to the Green Ground or blue sky hit me up yep Um,
1: i've got i've got um codes they're
0: sent through postal mail
1: but um i i do have a couple of codes if you are available uh if you're interested in in getting on
0: to the green ground i do actually have codes for blue sky if you want to be on blue sky let me know so anyway uh until next time go huskies Woo! Woo!